if we still, pardon me? That's good? Yeah, so if we uh, are living thinking that things like signs and wonders and miracles and just the things we read about in the Gospels has stopped happening, uh, I just feel like you're missing uh, a good portion of what Jesus died and rose again for. Um, this is awesome. And, and we cannot become too familiar with this. I grew up uh, in a pretty, like, Pentecostal, uh, Italian, wild church. And uh, it, it, not all of it was good. A lot of it was really good. Some of it was like, you know, I need counseling. It's good. We're good. We're good. We're good. But um, I, I spent a good portion of my uh, adult life believing that, like, this, this is just not how God works anymore. And I just wanted to be normal. Anyone, like, I just like, every once in a while, I hear people talking. I'm like, why can't you just be a normal Christian? Anyone ever say that before? Is it just me? Uh, um, and when did, like, not living like Jesus become normal for the church? It's just a, a random question. I, I, it's not this part of this morning's message. But, um, yeah, when did normal start becoming living without power or not expecting God to move or answer prayer? Or when did normal become not being driven uh, to, to show people uh, Jesus and to lead people to Christ uh, through his power. Um, things like Paul, I didn't come with a demonstration of you know, wisdom or great intelligence, but a display of his power. Um, guys, I am, I am not normal right now, and I, I want to be back to normal. I don't know if that's anyone else, but uh, segue. We are continuing in our series in Hebrews. And if you were here last week, uh, um, you know the theme of Hebrews is Jesus is greater. And everything that he died and rose again for is what we want to contend for and go after and be. Uh, we talked about the power of doubt. Doubt is incredibly powerful. And belief is just as powerful, even more powerful. And, and like Brock's word this morning, and, 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 and I think what we're contending for, it's when we believe we begin to actually experience the greater of Jesus and the greatness of everything he died and rose again for. Uh, um, the problem is when we begin to doubt, when we begin to doubt who God is, we actually begin to doubt who we are as well. Uh, I have a very rational fear of spiders. Anyone with me? That's pretty rational, right? Because they're small, they're fast, and they're creepy. But like realistically, I'm significantly bigger than spiders. I should not be afraid of spiders. I don't really think, and if there is, don't tell me. I don't actually think there's like spiders that can really, really hurt me uh, where I live. And this is why I don't live in Australia. I have an Australian friend. She's terrified of bears. I'd take a bear over a spider that can kill me that I can't see any day. Doubt is like that. Even though we are bigger, fear and doubt robs us. It robs us who we are. And as now we're going into Hebrews 2, we're going to see this message. Again, the context here, the author of Hebrews is speaking, speaking to a, a, a Jewish church, a Jewish people with a Jewish background who uh, were going through a lot of persecution and were wondering, did I make the right choice? <laughs> this is really what I'm doing here. And, and to, the, to the Jewish people, the prophets of old and the angels that declare the message of God were of held in really, really high esteem. It's like they were here and everyone else was down here. And that's the context of what we're going to be reading, starting in verse 5 of Hebrews 2. And furthermore, it is not angels who will control the future world we are talking about. For in one place, the Scripture says, we are mere mortals that you should think about them 
or a son of man that you should care for him. Yet for a little while you made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Now this is quoting an Old Testament verse, which is really fun and we can break down, but that's not for, for this morning. But we see here and we need to understand that we are created in the image of God. And when you think about that, um, that's pretty good. <laughs> if you need to be created after something, the image of God is a pretty good thing to be created after, right? We are created in the image of God and made perfectly beautiful. And I feel like we have mixed up identity with maybe not understanding how we feel versus who we are. Because who we are is pretty amazing. We are made in the image of God, and we are made beautiful, and we are made perfect. Now, can we walk in brokenness? 100%. Can we be, you know, all the stuff? Yes, but we are created. That is our starting point, right? Created in the image of God. And now here we see here two things. Not only are we created in the image of God, but here the author of Hebrews points out that we are crowned with glory and honor. We're crowned with glory and honor. And, and to be crowned, uh, um, I mean, uh, is anyone actually watching The Crown? I knew nothing about the British monarchy until the show The Crown. And then, like, I became an expert, like, really quickly. So, um, actually, I still know nothing. But um, to crown somebody is to give them something of your own, right? So when a crown is placed on the head, it's like the power of this crown now goes here. The, and so the picture here that the author is saying is, is God, who is crowned with glory and honor, crowns us with the glory and honor that he has. Now, the glory and honor that God has is, is, is pretty glorious and honorable, right? And he says that we are crowned with that glory and honor. It, it's, it's interesting because this is the wordage that the author uses. He doesn't say, you've been given glory and honor, or you are kind of glory, you're a kind of honor, or half glory, half honor. You are crowned with glory and honor, and you are given, and he has given us authority. That word authority simply means uh, um, to cause, we cause to obey or put under our control. There's a, a, a really fun conversation that Jesus has with one of his disciples, the disciple Peter here. And it's found in Matthew 16. And Jesus starts with kind of an identity question. He says, you know, who do you say I am? And so like, you know, Peter answers, what other people, you know, who do you say I am? Peter answers, he kind of gets it right. And then Jesus replies with this identity statement back to him. And, and, and let's, let's hear this as we read this. Starting in verse 17, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, and this is the identity piece, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let's pause there. I, I, I love this because Jesus doesn't just say, I know, I've given you authority. Jesus reminds Peter who he is. He makes this identity statement. The minute Peter understands who God is, Jesus says, yes, you know this because it's revealed to you by, his, by God's Spirit himself, and now you are Peter. 
And now you are the rock that I will build this church on. And I've given you authority to bound and to loose. Or in other words, that word simply means like if we want to translate it in kind of like our verbiage today, is to lock and unlock. I've given you authority to lock and unlock. You can release heaven, you can lock earth. And it's this beautiful picture of authority. But it's not the first place it's mentioned here. We're literally given authority in the beginning of creation. I've given you authority over the earth, over the animals, name them. And we have laid down that authority when we fell short. And yet the message is that when Jesus came and died, he took back that authority that we forfeited and gave it back to us at his resurrection. And now he's given us his spirit. So that authority is restored. So we are crowned with glory and honor. And to everyone who believes in Jesus, we're given this authority to lock and unlock in our lives. Guys, this, this is who we are. This is our starting point as believers. We start from a position of glory and honor and authority created in the image of God. See, now the audience that, that, that the writer's writing to isn't seeing this in their lives personally. And maybe we can relate to that. I can relate to that. I am not seeing this in my life all the time. There's moments in my life I'm like, do I actually have authority? You raise teenagers, you're like, do I actually have any authority, right? <laughs> Parents, do I actually have any control? Do I have any authority over my life? Maybe we're looking at situations. I'm like, am I actually crowned with glory and honor? Am I actually even good enough for this? Do I have any control of what's going on? What kind of authority? We're not seeing this. But that doesn't make it not true. The situation that the early church, that this church in Hebrews was going through, was robbing them of their authority. Their fear and doubt was robbing them of their glory and honor, of their, of their authority, and their situations were changing who they were versus actually thriving. Their situation was changing their identity. They're basing their knowledge of who God is and who they are by the circumstances and surroundings that were surrounding them. And the author is reminding them that in all situations that you are crowned with glory and honor, and you walk with authority. In other words, not everything is good, but God is good, and God is who he is, and we are who we are, not because of what we're walking through, but because of who God is and because of Jesus. The minute that we believe in Jesus, this is who we are, and that is never in doubt. There is no stages of identity this isn't like, you know, Scientology, that you tithe more, you get more revelation. That doesn't work that way. You are given all of this the minute that you believe. There is no half, part measure, little bit. We are crowned with glory and honor. We are given authority, and we are created in the image of God. This is who we are. There's this conversation that Paul has into the church in Rome uh, in Romans, Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, the context here is literally uh, food rights and, and, you know, should I, you know, 
do I eat kosher, not eat kosher, all that kind of stuff. And that's not important. But essentially, what, what Paul here is communicating to the church in Rome, in Rome is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in us is not our circumstances, but really what comes out of us. The evidence is the kingdom displayed. Joy in all things. Peace in all things. And if I can steal from another verse, fruit in all things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, those things, all the evidence of the Holy Spirit displayed in our life is the evidence of the kingdom of God. This is what makes the kingdom of God. It's how we live in everything that we do. And the beauty of it is we can produce all of those fruits in every situation, not because of what we do, but because of who we are. We are crowned with glory and honor, and we are given authority in every situation. Where there is no joy, we can walk in joy because joy is not something we make, it's something we're given by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? We can have peace in all situations because we're not fabricating peace, but we are given peace by the Holy Spirit. And this is an important difference because I feel like our culture strives to create what only the Holy Spirit can give in full measure. I don't know if you've had the privilege of eating no name brand food. Sometimes it really works out, but you know where it doesn't work out? Cereal. Anyone cereal fans? Have you ever had the, the fruity circles? They're not Fruit Loops. I don't care what they say. And so often we're doing this spiritually. We're trying to recreate in our own lives by changing our situations what only the Holy Spirit gives us when we believe that God is who he is and we are who we are because of Jesus Christ. Does that kind of make sense? Fear and doubt rob us of life. And fear and doubt was robbing the church here in Hebrews of life. If we continue on, jumping to verse 9 in Hebrews, what we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory, and it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the one he makes holy, and the ones he makes holy, us, have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and his sisters. While we might not see evidence of being crowned with glory and walking in authority, we have the ultimate example in Jesus Christ. He is our standard. And, and we have a choice as Christians and as believers, people who declare that Jesus is died and rose again and, and you know, he's alive. But for believers, we have a choice. We can build what we know about God, which and the fancy word for that is theology. We can build our theology on our experience, that says God is this and God is that because of what I am going through or what am I experiencing in life. Or we can build our knowledge of God based on the truth of who God is and who we are. We make that choice as believers. And the choice we make will determine what we experience here on earth and in the kingdom of heaven. What we lock on earth is locked and what we loosen is loosed. 
What we unlock is unlocked. We have that authority. We can choose to believe or we can choose not to. Jesus demonstrates to us through his life how we can live when we believe God is who he is, says he is, and we live, and this is important, and we live like we actually believe who we really are. Jesus said that we would do greater things. The apostles showed, hey, we can do greater things because now the Holy Spirit is in us. And this is the mark. Jesus is the mark. Jesus is the standard. And it seems like a high standard. And if you're sitting here thinking, that's not a very high standard. Well, uh, (laughs) that's a pretty good standard. And sometimes we live like it's impossible to hit. But it's possible to hit because the same spirit that lived in Jesus Christ lived in us now. And the same glory and honor that was given to Jesus and the same authority that was given to Jesus is given to us now. And that is our standard. And the beauty of it is we don't get these in parts. But now this Christian faith is living up to what God has already freely given us through Jesus Christ. Does that kind of make sense? Right? It's a little backwards because uh, um, we as parents or we as people do things differently, right? Like we, we don't give people our full trust. Usually we, they earn it, right? Oh, 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 oh hey, let's, let's go for coffee. And then they show up about 10 minutes late. Like, oh, they're kind of always late. So next time, you don't leave as, as on time. And then, you know, next time they come 15, 20 minutes late, right? And so they, they're not earning your trust. Or, or, or maybe, you know, you hang out with someone and they come five minutes early. Oh, I trust them. And they give him more and more and more of your life, right? You build up trust. And we act like this is how God treats our relationship. We're just building trust. And he's giving us a little bit. And he's giving us a little bit. But that is not what the Bible teaches us. What does the Bible teach us? What, what are we crowned with? Glory and honor. We're not crowned with part of glory and honor. It doesn't say you're given a little bit of glory and a little bit of honor. And if you live a little bit glorious, a little, you get a little bit more. <laughs> you're given a little bit of authority. No, you, we're given all of it. That is who we are. And that is the mark we're called to live. And any belief that doesn't hit that mark falls short of that mark. Don't let fear and doubt lower who we are. I can't do that. I can't really do that. I'm not worthy of it. Well, that that just lowers our own identity. And God doesn't view us like that. If we keep reading, jump down to verse 14. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as humans, sorry, only as human beings could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Let's pause there. Jesus has set us free of fear. He has set us free from fear. Here's a fun thing. So that that term, the power of death or fear of dying, or other translations will have death, dying, and those versions... That, that word dying and death is the word thantos. And if it sounds familiar and you're a Marvel fan, it's how they got the name thanos. It's the Latin of thantos. And, and thantos is one of the descriptive words for hell. And, and so we look at this, and the readers would understand this as they're hearing this, that Jesus actually broken the fear of hell. 
Now, what does that mean? Uh, this is maybe a generalized statement, but I feel like a lot of religious motivation is trying to avoid punishment, right? If you, uh, and this is, I'm speaking to those that maybe, like me, have grown up in church. And if you haven't, maybe you don't relate to this, but, you know, just bear with me. Uh, 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 maybe you share in this experience. Uh, you kind of grow up and you know that, you know, if I do wrong, I'm going to burn forever. And if I do right, I'm good. Or if I get caught, you know, my mom, I'm just afraid of my mom. Mom, you're watching. I'm still kind of afraid of you. Right? And it's like, you know, I, you know, and sometimes the fear of, you know, your parents keeps you from doing really dumb things. There's probably positives there, right? But we're avoided, we're, we're, we're motivated by avoiding punishment. And so we play the game of how far can I go before I get punished, right? And so how far can I push the envelope before I sin? You know, what is really a sin? And so as at youth group and as Christians, we've actually become experts in determining what is actually sin, right? And so, you know, you know, if I just kiss my girlfriend for two minutes, that's fine. But four minutes, oh, that's over the line, or, or whatever it is. And we kind of, how far can I push the envelope? And now our life is motivated by how do I avoid getting caught? How do I avoid getting in trouble? How do I avoid feeling guilt and shame? Where now through Jesus Christ, our motivation has changed. That fear of punishment is removed from us. And now we're actually motivated by experiencing the fullness of life. Our motivation has changed. That fear of death is gone. And now we're not asking, how far can I go? But what must I do to experience life? And if we follow the, the life of Jesus, that is the question that so many uh, people ask after encountering Jesus. They don't encounter Jesus and ask, how do I avoid punishment? They meet Jesus and say, how do, I, how do I get more of this life? Give me this water so I will never thirst anymore. Once we've had a taste of life, our motivation is, how do I live even more? Once we've had a taste of the authority that we walk in, how do I walk even more authority? Once we have a taste of the glory and honor that God has given us, our motivation is, how do I walk in even more glory and honor? I'm not trying to avoid, I'm not looking at pushing the envelope. I want to become more and more like Jesus. Jesus, because that's the standard I want to live. And that should be the motivation of every believer. And that is what comes when we understand who we really are because of God. And so this morning, a lot of us, and I know it, are motivated out of fear. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to make God angry. But let me tell you that for everyone who believes God's attitude towards us is goodness, it's kindness, it's love, it's mercy and grace. And he has empowered each and every one of us to live. Don't be afraid of trying. Don't be afraid of believing. Be afraid of having our fear and doubt rob us of the life that's truly available through Jesus Christ. Second Timothy says this. This is now Paul writing to one of the pastors, a young, young, young pastor. He says this, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. That is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I'm going to call our team back up as we close. Uh, um, I, I love the picture here. First, 
Paul reminds Timothy of his faith. And my question for each and every one of us is, what are we actually standing on? What is the foundation that we're standing on? Have we been living this life just to try and find peace, joy, kind of fabricating our own? Maybe we're on this journey and we don't actually know Jesus yet. We're just hearing it. What, what, what faith are we standing on? And maybe we've known Jesus a long time. We've been a believer for a long time, but we've literally been motivated at fear. We're just trying to avoid death when really God is asking us to live life. What is the faith that we're standing on? As a pastor, I, I hear a lot of, you know, I, I believe God is God and I, and I believe in who I am. I, I, I believe this identity message. Why don't I feel anything? Why is nothing changing? I love the second part. It says, fan into flame. Let's not be complacent. Now, I am a city boy. I was born in the city. Uh, I know city things pretty well, and I, and I don't know country things very well. And, and I, I always grew up believing that fires are pretty easy. You just flick the switch and the fireplace turns on, right? Or you hear about forest fires. They, they don't look very hard at all, right? The light fire, boof, they're gone, right? But at lighting a campfire is actually not that easy, right? Maybe you haven't done, maybe you think it's easy. Let me tell you. Oh, it's for the city boy, it was a little bit of a wake-up call. You don't just throw wood in the fire. You need dry wood. And you don't just put the big chunks. You start with the small chunks, right? And you start with kin kindling? Is that what it's called? Kindling, right? And you build it. And you need airflow. Who knows who you need air? There's air everywhere. But, you know, you can't have enough air. Airflow, fuel, kindling. And you build it. And then the fire starts. And if you don't do anything, it goes out. You're like, well, wait a minute. How does a fire go out? No, but you sit there and you fan it right? You blow. Some of us are living this faith wondering, why don't I feel God? Yet what are we doing to fan into flame? How are we positioning ourselves? Maybe our fire has gone and we have drifted and now the fire has gone out. Like Katie, I am a child of the 90s, and there's a song, Lord, light that fire again, fan into flame, another song, a passion for your name. Guys, let's not be complacent, wondering, God, where are you when we're just sitting facing the wrong direction? And then God's gift to us is not fear. Love that message to, to Timothy. Paul's like reminding Timothy, God has not given you fear. And fear is not our motivation. But what has God given us? What is the gift that God has given us? His spirit. Now, if I could combine two verses together. The gift, that gifts that God has given us is love where there should be no love. Joy where there should be no joy. Peace where there should be no peace. Patience where there should be no patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness. You go through those lists. These are things that God has given us. Stop trying to make for yourself what the Holy Spirit has freely given us. Take hold of Jesus and take hold of who we are. So can we begin to walk that out? Let's, let's begin to stand together and as we, as we worship, this is an invitation to ask ourselves, what is the faith that I'm standing on? Have I been just living out of fear, trying to avoid punishment? Or have I been trying to fabricate peace 
when God is waiting to freely give it to each and every one of us? This morning, if you've never made the decision to believe in Jesus, this is where it begins because we cannot do this without Jesus. The minute that we believe in Jesus, the Bible says that we are saved. We are made whole. And so this is an invitation to stop eating the fruity circles and take a bite of the fruit loops that God gives us. Let's worship together and then we'll, we'll close it out together.